Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we're on this series called Journey of Hope. And Journey of Hope is about us understanding that life is about a journey. And I said before, I'm understanding this more in my life all the time, that to not get too tripped up over moments because life is more than moments. There's times in our life where we're going through a season or a period of time where it can just be awful. I mean, it could be like we're thinking this is the worst possible. It can't get worse than this. And when is it going to end? We don't know. Those are terrible moments in our life. No matter how good things are or how bad things are, there are seasons of our life that we're going to experience, and life is more than just that moment. It's a journey. Journey is about going from one place to another place. And we're talking about a journey of hope, realizing to have hope in our life It means we're going to go through times of our life where we don't feel like we have much hope. Anybody ever been there but me? I've got four people that's participating this morning online. Anybody else been there but me? Yes, yes. So we're with times we're not going to feel hopeful, but uh, we know that God is there, right? He's with us either way. No matter what we feel, it's not about what we feel, it's about what we believe. And we believe God is good and he's faithful. So I want to jump into this. If you've got your sermon notes there in your worship guide, you can open those up and pull those out, or you can get online your version Bible app. I have the sermon notes available there. Let's open up our Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 6. Woo! Just happy about Jesus, happy about the Bible. Hebrews chapter 6, journey of hope. Journey of hope. I'm going to start reading here in verse 9. Are you ready? Yeah, I've I've got a couple that's working with me. Maybe you're new. See, here's how things go here. (laughs) No, we just want want to encourage you. Feel free to receive from God today. Jesus is the one that we're after. He's the one that we need, and I just want to release him to do everything he wants to do. I've been gone all week this week and just flew back into town Friday night late and and, uh, just excited about what God has in store for you, what he's doing in your life. Even if you think, Chad, this is a terrible time in my life, even the midst excuse me, even in the midst of terrible times, God is there. And we're going to see something about that. Hope that we're going to talk about today is not just hope. It's not something that I just feel. It's not just something that I'm going to have in good times. It's going to be something we're going to have in challenging times. Because I believe this about the church. And, and I found this in my own life and maybe in Western culture. If we're not careful, we in the church can think that success is when we don't have problems. We can think, we can be duped into, we can be bamboozled and hoodwinked into thinking that I'm a better Christian when I don't have struggles. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. We're, we're pulling back from things that we should be leaning into. We'll talk about that. We're trying to sidestep and avoid things that God wants us to walk through. And God's saying, if you will walk through this season, if you'll walk through this situation, this adversity, this challenge, this whatever you're facing, if you will walk through it on the other side, it's where you're going to get what you're looking for. Too many times, I'll say it this way, and I'm just kind of starting off the service this way. I'm not even sure why I didn't do it in the first service, but just hang with me for a moment. It's like in Christianity, 
We look at difficulties and tragedies and adversity sometimes as things that we should stay away from when sometimes they're the very thing that God is wanting us to walk into. I'm not talking about uh, that God's hitting us with evil things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the cross of Calvary. God is very upfront that serving him is not for the faint at heart. The very symbol of Christianity is a cross. It's not a crown. We should realize that if we're going to live for Jesus, it's going to cost us something. It only cost him his life. You're saying, wow, I'm very encouraged, Chad. Thank you. So glad to come to this church service this morning and be lifted up. It is going to lift us up if we get the right perspective. There's certain things that are coming against us because, see, on the other side of the cross is resurrection life. But too many times Christians want to come to the cross and stop there. And we got to walk through the cross, die to flesh, die to our old life, die to ourselves. And if we will walk through the cross, we can experience resurrection life. But there is pain in this part of the process. And we like to avoid pain, if at all possible. Like, like, like we look around the cross and we say, man, I want to live like that. Yeah, man, I, I, want, I want to experience all that. Yeah, just keep walking. Uh, I, hey, ouch, that hurts. I'm not going to walk through there. Well, if I won't walk through that, I may not experience. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? Just get to the text. That's what you're saying. Okay, let's go for it. Hey, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. It gets better. But beloved... We are confident of better things concerning you. Journey of hope is about understanding that we have to be confident of better things. Confident is not hoping for better things. Confident is that I'm expecting better things. I'm convinced things are going to get better in my life. A journey of hope is that where I am is not where I'm going to stay. It may be where I am right now, but it's not where I'm going to put up residence. I'm not going to live here forever. I'm confident of better things. So I'm confident in better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Oh, man, there's a lot of things here I want to say. There's more. I just want to throw this in real quickly. Better things that accompany salvation. Better things that accompany salvation. There's more that accompany salvation than we are experiencing in our life sometimes. Sometimes all we're experiencing is forgiveness of sins, and God says there's more. There are better things that I want you to experience than just forgiveness of sins. Then make no light about it, and this so wonderful, the miracle of forgiveness of sins. But he said there are many things that accompany salvation that I want you to walk into. These are better things. Go on. For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love. Here's our encouragement. God doesn't forget where we are. He knows our address. He knows our phone number. He knows our email. He knows our Instagram handle. He knows where we are. Labor of love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Everybody say diligence. The same diligence. That means energy and efforts and focus, eagerness. That you show the same eagerness to the full assurance, to the full assurance, to get to the place of full assurance of hope. Full assurance of hope. Hope is expectation and anticipation. Full assurance means to be filled up and overflowing with. So we're filled up and overflowing with anticipation and expectation of better things. But notice it says it's going to take diligence to get to the full assurance. 
It takes diligence to get to a place that we're filled with expectation and anticipation. The reason we don't get there in our life too many times is because we aren't diligent to get filled up. We stop short of getting filled with expectation and we stop at just wanting it. I want something to happen. That's great. Now get filled with expectation for it. No, I just want it to happen. I get it. I want it to happen. But now we got to be diligent to fill myself with expectation that's going to happen. Everybody wants it. Anybody can want it. The difference is who's going to be diligent to get filled with expectation for it. It takes diligence to do that. What kind of diligence does it take? It takes the diligence of focusing on the promises of God more than I focus on the problems of my life. How, how am I going to get filled up with anticipation when I'm filled up with the promises of God? When I do the diligence, that means I have to actually read and meditate on what God says. He says, this is what we're wanting you to do. I want you to get there. This is something we're talking about today, but I just want to throw this in. Full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become spiritually lazy sluggish. You do not become lazy, but imitate those. Imitate those. Mimic those. Mimic those. Don't be spiritually lazy, but imitate these people. Imitate these people. Who are we supposed to imitate? Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the Let's try it again. But imitate those. Who are we supposed to imitate? We're supposed to imitate certain people. Imitate those that through the means, the how, through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're supposed to imitate certain people. We're not supposed to be spiritually lazy, but we're imitating those who through faith and patience get what God has for them. We're supposed to imitate those people. So you've got to find those people and imitate them. How are those people getting what God has for their life? They're using two things. They're using faith and patience. We'll talk about patience in just a minute. What is faith? What is faith? I'll tell you what faith is not. I'll start with that. Faith is not me using my power of belief to get God to do something. How many times have you heard people say, well, if you just had more faith, it would happen? I understand there's, this isn't a teaching on faith, and I, I don't want to try and cover every disclaimer about faith. There is a pl- process of developing your faith. But faith is not moving God. Faith is positioning myself to receive what he's already pouring out. Faith doesn't manipulate God. Faith positions us. It gets us in a place where I'm receiving, believing. What are you doing? Notice when he says to the Roman centurion, he said to the Roman centurion who uh, said, you know, you can't come to my house. He said, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says to the Roman centurion, he said, wow, I have not seen such great faith even in all of Israel. So you say, Chad, right there, he had more faith. No, what I think he was saying to the Roman centurion, it wasn't that he was impressed with the amount of faith, and that's what caused Jesus to do what he didn't want to do. It wasn't about him uh, uh, giving, uh, making Jesus do something. It was about him accessing something that Jesus wasn't expecting him to access. So it wasn't moving the will of Jesus. It was accessing the will of Jesus. Jesus said, I come to heal those who need healing. So faith is positioning ourselves to receive. So I want to imitate those who get themselves in line with the promises of God to receive what God has for them. 
That's what faith is. Faith is saying, God, I believe you want to do this, and so I'm going to put myself in position to receive your promises. Faith and patience. Let's talk about patience here in a moment. Here's where we are, verse 13. For when God had made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So God makes a promise. Here's what the word promise means. Just so you understand what promise means in biblical terms versus uh, uh, our terms. How many know sometimes our promises don't mean much? Have you ever had anybody promise you something that you didn't even believe it after they said promise? Be careful when you say I promise when you don't mean it. Because here's the problem. Sometimes when we don't keep our promises, people start to believe that God's the same way. God's faithful. The promises of God in him are yes and amen. So we realize when God made a promise to Abraham, this was what he was saying. It's the word that means a verbal commitment with certainty by one person to another agreeing to do or not to do something in the future. So he made a promise to Abraham, and here's what he said. He swore, uh, when he, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. So he couldn't swear by anyone greater. There's no greater than God. You know how people will say this, I swear to God. Oh, I know, no, it's true, I swear to God. What they're trying to do is trying to swear by something greater than them, accountability to something greater than them to bring validity to what they're saying. Jesus said, let your, or the Bible says to let your yes be yes and your nay be nay. When God said, listen, here's how, here's how much I promise this to you, Abraham. I swear by me because there's nobody greater. God is saying, I put myself on the line, my integrity on the line, who I am on the line that I will do everything I tell you I will do. That's how solid this promise is that he gives him. So now, what does the promise look like? Look at verse 15. And so after, this is about Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. This is where I want to land today. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently, two parts to this verse, two facets, patiently enduring and obtaining the promise. Patiently enduring and obtaining the promise. Usually obtaining the promise is what we focus on. Usually obtaining the promise is what we think is where our, 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 our money is. That's, that's the go-to. We want to obtain the promise. Let's focus on the obtain, obtaining the promise. And the endure, patiently enduring is just about surviving and getting through something so that we can obtain the promise. But I want to suggest to you, I want to submit to you that we are uh, not emphasizing the importance of the patiently enduring part. Patiently enduring is the process. Obtaining the promise is the end result. But the process, the journey, we have to enjoy the journey. We have to embrace the journey. Journey. We don't try and skip it. We don't try and get by. How many times have we thought about if I could just get by and skip this season of my life and just jump to the end? If I knew where God wanted me to go and I could just skip this part of my life and just get there, then we would do it. Yes, if I could get out of this situation, if I get out of this chaos, out of this trouble, anything, if I could, I could dream a genie, get out of there. You're like, what in the world was that? People under the age of 40 have no idea what I just did. You're like, I, if I could skip this part of my life, we would do it. But I want to submit to you, don't skip anything. Don't skip tragedy. I'm not saying wishing bad things on myself. I'm saying when there are things that happen in my life that I cannot control, 
Don't try and skip on it. Look for what God wants to do in you through it. Notice what he said. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I wanted to focus on obtaining the promise because I thought I knew everything about patiently enduring. I just thought it was, you know, just be, hang in there, hold on, survive, and then you'll get the promise of God. So a couple weeks ago when I was going preparing to do this, then I was like, okay, let's go on that. Let's talk about obtaining the promise. How do we obtain the promise? And, and it was like God said, hey, uh, patiently endure. I know. We got to hang on, Lord. I know we got to hang on. I got to endure. But let's obtain the promise. He's like, uh, no, read it again. I didn't even look up, usually I look up words to make sure I understand what the Bible is saying because I assume my understanding of the English language is not always the best. And so because your Bible is written in actually in the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic and transfer, translated into English, that sometimes the translators that translated into English, they may have had an idea what something said and may not have the ideal situation. So re remember that the Bible wasn't written in King James. It was written in Greek and Aramaic. It was translated into King James. So King James isn't the original. It's just an English translation. So when I looked at the Greek word for patiently enduring, and it's one word. I'm not going to try and pronounce it for you. I'm not that smart. But here's what it means. It means to exhibit internal and external control and be even-tempered and patient while enduring trying circumstances. Good God, is that even possible? Let's read it again. Maybe that's a misprint. <laughs> Patiently enduring. To exhibit internal and external control and be even-tempered and patient while enduring trying circumstances. Who wants to do that? <laughs> Skip. Huh? Let's just go on to a different sermon. I don't like this one at all. So in order to obtain the promise, we're going to have to patiently endure trying circumstances and adversity. Chad, your encouragement today is off the charts. How many knows that we go through trying circumstances and adversity every day? It's not like we can pretend they aren't there. They're there all the time. So we might as well figure out what to do with them and if there's any benefit because we're all going through them. And notice what it says, the definition here. To exhibit internal and external control, thinking long-minded, long-term long thinking. So what does that mean practically? Here's what I broke down practically. What does it mean to patiently endure practically? It means the word trying circumstances, to exhibit internal and external control while enduring trying circumstances. Trying circumstances means resistance or opposition, temptations. I'm going to build this. And then I'm going to pull it together and show you what I believe the Bible is saying. I promise you it's going to be encouraging, even if it's been a little challenging. Trying circumstance represents opposition, resistance, or temptation. Remember, internal and external control in the midst of trying circumstance, in the midst of opposition, resistance. The word control, when we talk about internal and external control, means to have influence or power over. So let me redefine this, put it together. I'm, again, just trying to make this understandable to you. Patiently enduring means to exhibit internal and external influence or power over resistance or opposition. To exhibit internal and external influence or power over resistance or opposition. The process of controlling resistance creates strength. Let me illustrate. I brought this little dumbbell fitting for me to carry a dumbbell. 
But this dumbbell is only 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Now, the process, this 10-pound this dumbbell has resistance or opposition. It has force. Because if I would drop it, it just, it would go to the ground. It, it has weight to it. It's only 10 pounds. But the fact that I can now hold this 10 pounds and control it from falling, that means a certain amount of strength is present. I have at least 10 pounds strength. Why? Because this is not controlling me. Illustrated, it would look like this. But I am controlling it. So now I am having influence and power over resistance and opposition. Does this have resistance and opposition? Yes. I am having influence and power. I can move it where I want it instead of it moving me where it wants me. So resistance and opposition is present, but I'm strong enough for it not to influence me, but for me to influence it. So patiently enduring is not just waiting and surviving, mind you. I believe the Bible's teaching us that after he patiently endured meant that he was able to have internal and external control, influence and power over resistance and opposition. This is what he wanted to do because now at 10 pounds strength, if I can have influence and, and uh, power over it, if I begin to move it, what happens? Resistance and opposition. As I'm influencing it, what's it doing? On my side, it may be heavy and opposing on its side, but as long as I keep influencing it and it not influencing me, it creates strength. So in this context, the presence of resistance and opposition in my life is not something I want to avoid. It just means I want to influence it more than it influences me. And as long as I keep influencing it, I'm getting stronger. So now I love the 10-pound resistance. I want to be around the 10-pound resistance. Why? Because it's making me stronger. Nobody in the gym gets discouraged about moving from 10-pound strength to 20-pound strength. Everybody wants to move up. They want to get to heavier weights. They want to excel. Nobody's in the gym sporting a 10-pound club bench press shirt. <laughs> Been in the gym for 10 years. What are you doing? Yep, 10 pounds, still knocking it out. <laughs> Brother got issues. What is it? In the gym, we gravitate towards more resistance. Give me more resistance. I want more resistance because I know what that resistance is doing to me. It's making me stronger. I'm getting stronger. I want to go. where? So right now I got 10-pound strength. But if I'll keep working on 10-pound strength, I'll graduate to 15-pound strength. Then I'll graduate to 20-pound strength. And then I can have influence over 25, 30. I can keep growing. Why? Because I'm not focused on the weight. I'm focused on what it's doing to me. This is a little bar with two little circles on it. This is not significant. It could be a big rock. It could be a 10-pound rock and still give me the same benefit. 
So the focus is not on the resistance. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? I, you're getting it. I don't know if they're getting it, but you're getting it. See, what happens is we're focused on our opposition too much instead of focused on how it's making us stronger. See, people can lift weights with all kinds of stuff. They can pick up trees and just use it. They can do pull-ups with body weight. It's not about the resistance. It's about what is it doing to you. It's the same thing. I don't know what your problems are this morning. I don't know what your adversity is. I don't know what your trying circumstances. I know what mine are, but if I focus on them, I'm going to get discouraged. If I focus on how heavy or how hard that is, I'll go, oh, I just, I just don't think I want to do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to work out. This kind of makes me sweat. <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to sweat. You know, makes me glisten. <laughs> so I can do that because lifting this makes me sweat, makes me work. Dealing with resistance and opposition, it's work. I may get a little tired out. I may get gassed. My, my breathing may get heavy. I may, I may have some adversity lifting it, but I'm focusing on what it's doing to me, not on how heavy it is. Because if I want to excel, if I want to get stronger, I have to embrace the resistance and resist the resistance. Let me give you a scripture. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The stronger the resistance we're able to control to influence or have power over, the stronger we are. Ten-pound strength. If I'm able to influence and have power over it for four sets of ten, come back next week, I might be able to get 15. But if I will not work with this ten-pound resistance, I will never get to 15. Practical application. If I will not influence and have control over 10-pound problems in my life, I will never be able to graduate to 15-pound problems. You're like, I, I, I don't want 15-pound problems. <laughs> That's pretty simple, Chad. I don't want 15-pound. But you're focusing on the problem instead of who you become. I don't want 15-pound problems either. But I don't want 10-pound strength. I'm not asking for 15-pound problems. I'm asking for 15-pound strength. I'm going to throw it, Ted. I'm going to throw it. I'm not. I'm not. Go deep, somebody. I, I'm, I'm not asking for more problems. I don't want any more problems than you do. I, I'm not asking for 50-pound problems, but I want 50-pound strength. And we want the strength without having to lift the weight, without having to go with, against the opposition and the resistance. And this is our problem. I want to come and I want to overpower 50-pound devils in my life. Well, then you better have influence and control over the 15-pound ones. If I can't control my 10-pound temper... If I can't control my 10-pound mouth, you've gone to meddling, Chad. You've just gone to my business. If I, if I can't control 10-pound temptations from the devil, if he gets me every time on that same thing, 
That same 10-pound temptation, I'm never going to be able to overcome. See, when he patiently endured what he was doing for Abraham, what if it wasn't about, what if God was doing, I wrote this down, let me don't misquote myself here. What if by patiently enduring, God is not punishing us nor getting his kicks out of just making us wait for the sake of waiting, but rather he is strengthening us to be able to carry the promise. After he had patiently endured, after he had exercised internal and external control over adversity and opposition, then he obtained the promise only after. After. Why is it? Because if Abraham was not willing to exercise internal and external control over his circumstances, over his opposition, over his trying uh, situations, then he was never going to be strong enough to obtain the promise. Some things that we're going through is only God is using those to strengthen you for where he's taking you. We want to have strong results, but we've got to be willing to resist the temptation to quit and give up along the journey, patiently enduring. God's just not making me wait for the sake of being wait. He's making me stronger. Why are, why are heavier things coming my way? Because he's putting more weights on your bar. A good spotter in the gym is always going to challenge you to do more than you think you can do. You know, and I don't know if this means, if you can relate to this, you're like, Chad, I, I don't connect with your lifting analogies. <laughs> I get it. You just make something else up because that's all I've got today. <laughs> but if you're there and you say, oh, we could do running, we could do walking. How many of you, maybe you've walked with a friend and you realize you could walk a lot farther with a friend than you can walk by yourself? You're walking with somebody else, and, they, and you're like, man, I'd like to stop right now. I just like, one more lap, one more lap. And they come to the, and you get to the end of that lap, and you're getting ready to say to them, okay, that was a good walk. And they say, how about two more? And you're like, sure, sure, two more. Other people challenge us, encourage us, and that's what I'm talking about. We have this end of ourselves, and God's saying, listen, I believe you can do more, and the purpose is to make you better. When you get done with those two extra laps that you weren't going to do on your own, do you or do you not feel better? No, I really don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> Let me just tell you the answer to that. That's the answer. Some of you... <laughs> So what does it mean to pay, obtain the promises? I want to I throw this in. After he had patiently endured, after he had used, exercised internal and external control in trying, circumstance, in trying circumstances, not in good circumstances, in trying circumstances. You know, only when I was able to, let me say it this way, let me, let me add this. So what does it mean to obtain the promises? What if obtaining the promises was less about the things we get and more about the person we become? Come on, let me throw this in. Don't, don't miss this. After he had patiently uh, endured, he obtained the promises. Yeah. So we think promises, we think things. And I, I, we get things. And I, I'm all for things. I'm all for uh, you know, a family or, or a better job and health. And I'm all, I'm all for all of that. But what if, what if the patiently enduring to obtain the promises was less about the things that we can possess and more about the person we can become. Think about this for just a moment. What if God wasn't as concerned about the things 
in your hand as he was the person that you are. Because he can give you a new house if you're the same person you still lose. If, 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 if I still cannot handle internal and external control in a new house, new car, new relationship, it doesn't matter. I'm still me. If, I, if I've got 10 pounds strength over here and I don't want to work it out, I don't want to use external and internal control. I just say, you know what? That's the way I am. It's not my problem. It's their problem. It's them. They're the problem. They're the problem. So I'll go over here. Well, I come over here into a new job, new situation, new relationship. Guess what? I still only have 10 pound strength. I don't get to leave my 10 pound problems over here and jump over here to 20 pound strength. I've got to stay here and work this out. Because God's wanting to develop you as a person. Look what it says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What are we predestined to become? We're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. It takes strength to respond like Jesus in the moment of adversity. What if, what if, is it time already? Where does it go? What if, what if the promises that we're trying to obtain are not things at all? What if the reason God's making me stronger by going through what I'm going through is because his goal is not the new job, his goal is the new man? What if what if the reason God wants me to work out and resist temptation, resist urges? See, I used, I used to have a lot of problems, and, and one of my issues I had, I, I have too many, too many to tell you about, but this was more, not, not really B.C., but early Jesus. Not before Jesus, but early Jesus still. I had, I had a bit of an issue with, with I had, I'd have like instant anger. I'm usually pretty chill, and it takes a lot to work me up, and early Jesus stages especially if something would happen that I didn't like and it would just catch me the wrong way I would have this voice that would just everything about me would scream hit it now if it happened to be a human or if it happened to be whatever's in front of me it would be hit it and I would feel this tension that I would either grab something to throw. Don't judge me. You're like, this is the last time I'm coming to this church. <laughs> I'd either grab something to throw or one time, I'll just illustrate, one time I, it was like, hit it. And I looked and I had two bats. I had my good aluminum bat. I didn't want to hurt that bat. Paid too much for that bat. And I had this wooden bat. I grabbed this wooden bat, went over to this tree, and I started wailing on that tree as hard as I could, as long as I could. And my goal was either this bat is going to break or I'm going to cut the tree down. And I knew I wasn't going to cut the tree down. And so I hit it until what was happening? No internal control. 
I had to work that out. So did the voices stop that told me to hit it? No. When the voice said, hit it, I had to say, shut up. Shut your pie hole. Ain't going down like that. Don't do that no more. Mm -mm. I walk in the peace of God. Hit it. I know, I want to. Yeah, I know. I I feel you. I know you're still there. But I'm going to exercise influence over you. You're not going to move me around anymore. I'm going to move you around. Say it. Say it. Cuss them. Go on, just cuss them. Cuss them. (laughs) I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. Is the voice still there? The voice was still there. But who's influencing who? What's happening? I'm getting stronger. Why does God want want to get you stronger? Because he has something for you. He's got something he wants you to walk into. And if you're not strong enough to obtain it, you will not sustain it. The reason he's building character in us and building it in you so you'll be strong enough that when he puts you in a place of blessing, it will not ruin you. God will not bring us into a place that will swallow us up. He says, if you will build up strength, now when I get there, because we think bigger blessings, bigger good times. Sometimes bigger blessings are bigger challenges. Bigger blessings bring bigger adversity. I've heard it said about people that, that say, well, if I can just make that much money, there's just more money. That's all I need, more money. More money sometimes bring problems you didn't have when you didn't have money. You got different problems when you, oh, I'd just like to try those big problems. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But if you're not ready, how many people have we heard about that won the lottery and went broke? Why? Because they brought their 10-pound strength to the table. He said, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Ruth Barton said this. Let me close with this. We set, we set young leaders up for a fall if we encourage them to envision what they can do before they consider the type of person that they should be. Can I speak to any leaders, whether you're young or not? I don't want to encourage you in what you can accomplish, what you can do. I want to encourage you who you can become. Who can you, who can you be? What kind of man can you be? Well, I've got this position, I've got this salary, I've got this title. That's great, but what kind of man are you? What kind of woman are you in that position? God said, I want you to become something. We sang this song, Glory to Glory. And 1 Corinthians says, or 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Here's what I believe the goal of, of heaven is. The goal of heaven is never just to get you things. The goal of heaven is to get you to become who he's created you to become. So we don't, we don't hide from adversity. We don't hide from resistance. When it comes, we grab hold of it and we say, you're not going to influence me. I'm going to influence you. Okay? Tragedy just hit my life. Okay? I didn't ask for it, but I'm going to do some reps. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to worship Jesus in this situation. I'm going to praise him in this situation. When everybody else would bail, everyone would say, you know what? If that happens to me, I'm out. I'm not coming to church no more. I'm not going to that. I'm, I'm out of that. Why? 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 We're not going to be stronger. We're only going to be stronger when we stay when we feel like leaving. Somebody does that to me, I'm out. 
My relatives do that to me, I'm out. My spouse does that to me, I'm out. Okay, then I'm still just going to have 10-pound strength. But if I work it out and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to use internal and external control in the midst of trying circumstances. Why? Because it's making me stronger. I don't necessarily like weights, but I like the strength that the weights bring me. I don't like adversity. I don't like problems. I don't like difficulties. I don't like any of those. But if it makes me a better person, if it makes me stronger, then I'm going to walk through it. God's developing you. Patiently enduring. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.